Welcome to episode number 43 of Off the Shelf, the Christmas edition. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Bergen, and I want to welcome all of you to this special Christmas edition of Off the Shelf. For me, Christmas has always been a wonderful time of year. Growing up in a Christian home, it was a time of family and music, a time to exchange gifts, a time to sing together about the birth of Jesus, and a time to think about what it meant for God to come to earth as a small, helpless baby. What was it like celebrating Christmas in the message? Well, because of the legalism in the message, many took William Branham's comments about Christmas and used them as an excuse to ignore it altogether. They said that because Jesus was not born in December, which is likely true, we shouldn't celebrate it then. The problem was that they didn't celebrate it at any other time of year. And they ignored the fact that William Branham himself celebrated Christmas. We have asked a number of former message followers to tell us what their experience was with Christmas in the message. And like all things in the message, what people experienced was all over the map. Now joining me today on Off the Shelf is my daughter, Anna, who's going to help me read through some of the quotes we have gathered from people on their experiences with Christmas in the message. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Anna. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Dad. So, Anna, let's start in on some of the comments. One of my sons told me that he said that after observing what happened in the message church we attended, the thing he concluded that was that tree boughs were okay, but it was the tree trunk that was sinful. That's why we couldn't have a tree. It was the only logical explanation. Apparently, it was the same with lights. Rows of lights, particularly white lights, inside your house was acceptable, but woe to you if you put colored lights outside your house. Many of you will remember Sylvia Perkins, who was on Off the Shelf earlier this year. Anna, can you read us what Sylvia had to say? She entitled her comments, A Very Branham Christmas. Growing up in the message was so hard for many of us children, especially the girls. Today, as I was thinking of my Christmas memories, for the first time, I was able to laugh instead of cringe and feel sad. I hope you will be able to laugh too. And if you are not now, I trust you will someday have the healing the Lord is giving me in dealing with so many sad memories. For our first Christmas in the message, we absolutely did not celebrate it at all. I was kept from the stores and light displays. I did not understand and complained a lot to my folks. So the next Christmas, my mother decided she would do something to make my Christmas truly special. A large yellow cardboard tree was erected on the living room wall 
It had seven huge aluminum foil stars, and oh joy, on the back of each one was the name of one of the seven church ages, dates, and the messenger. I was to memorize one each day. I can still remember them to this day, and when it was memorized, a tiny light was lit by each one. Still no presents, but what a thrilling tree and lights. Next Christmas was Stature of a Perfect Man. My mother constructed a layered pyramid. Each day we added another layer and learned about that virtue and a Bible verse about it. Again, lights went up when it was properly learned. Some friends came over and really made fun of me and our funny tree. I then begged no more trees. My only gift that year was a pad and pen to take notes of William Branham's sermons. The following year, we had a manger scene and the theme was Seven Seals. Can you imagine a white, red, black, and beige horse all riding to the manger scene with a bow carrying an Indian astride each one? And the souls under the altar was a bizarre homemade altar with some small dolls lying under it. And again, I learned the seals doctrines. The next year, William Branham died on Christmas Eve. So we only had a time of great mourning. My gift that year was my very own on the wings of Snow White Dove tape. From then on, we once again ignored Christmas, and after the horrible Christmases I had had, I wasn't too sad. Honestly, my parents would have been just as well off to tell me about Santa Claus, since all the stories they told me were fables as well. Since I've been married, we have always had Christmas decorations, sometimes several trees, and some nice memories and gifts. I'm so glad that after all the message indoctrination I endured as a child, the Lord has brought me out into his glorious freedom. I do love him so much. Thank you, Sylvia, for sharing your story with us. Here's a testimony from someone else that grew up in the message. The biggest thing that stands out for me is after Christmas 1976, all my message relatives got rid of, sold, or threw away all their Christmas decorations because they honestly believed the world was going to end within the week. Anna, can you read the next one? I remember being rebuked by the pastor's wife for having Christmas lights in my window. The money should have been given to the church, in other words, to the pastor. Of course, they had a Christmas tree for their family and children. Thanks, Anna. Here's another one. I grew up in Branham Tabernacle, so we went all out at Christmas. But my husband grew up in a church where he wasn't even allowed to attend school on Christmas party days. Here's another one. I'm still trying to get over the fact that I missed out on Christmas trees and presents for most of my life because of William Branham's doctrine of Christmas. Yet he himself had it for his family every year. I still can't wrap my head around that. This next one is from someone outside of North America. Christmas was low key in the church I grew up in, but there was always a hint of recognition, maybe singing carols on the Sunday before Christmas. As time passed, we had Christmas plays, but no decorations at the church. In our home, however, no matter how much my dad insisted Christmas was pagan, my mother let it be known that she loved Christmas, so we had a tiny Christmas tree, decorations, music, and tons of food. Such good memories. And this is another one from outside North America. I grew up with Christmas, and my dad and mom loved it. What happy memories. But then when I was a teenager, a pastor who was a real dictator took over our church and Christmas was no longer allowed to be celebrated. No presents and no special food was allowed. He told us to fast and pray on Christmas Day. It was so sad. After I was married, my husband, who grew up Catholic, wanted to have Christmas for our children. 
I wouldn't let anyone from church visit our home around Christmas time. We had a secret Christmas until I left the message. We have wonderful memories of Christmas with our children. Back to North America for this one. Christmas wasn't allowed in our church. It was actually hated and avoided drastically. I've had to work with a counselor to understand why I've had a hard time with Christmas since I've left the message. I think it's because as an adult, Christmas is often filled with good memories and nostalgia, but those memories are harsh for me. Going to my grandparents for Christmas dinner, seeing the tree and the presents, and then being told to leave just as my cousins opened presents. Then a few days later, my grandma would stop by with presents for us anyway. And when we asked our parents why, we would get no real answer. It was us versus them. Terrible things. Here's one from across the pond. We always had happy Christmases. Never had a tree growing up and only faintly missed it. But dad and mom always made Christmas time warm, happy, and generous. They never had much money, but always managed to make it special. My regret is more about it being a Christian festival, which had been plucked out of its context. To my way of thinking, the season should be about the arrival of the longed for Messiah and his future return with all the decorative trappings you'd like. But in the message, only a vague nod is given to the arrival of Christ, if one is lucky. Christmas has been supplanted by William Branham and his ideas. If you buy into that, it seems you have the option of celebrating it as a commercial or pagan festival or not at all, or doing as William Branham did, believing one thing and practicing another. Here's one from the US. My memories of Christmas growing up in our family were bleak. We didn't have a Christmas tree or lights. My first Christmas memory was watching my dad leave in the back of a squad car because of domestic violence issues, with my mom crying in the arms of my grandpa. I was standing in my footy pajamas, hiding behind the curtain, crying. Years later, my dad and I would travel and spent Christmas without acknowledging it was even a holiday. Two years ago, I experienced Christmas for the first time. We celebrated at our local church with a candlelit service. There was even a Christmas tree in the sanctuary. The children sang while I played the piano. I cried that evening, realizing what Christmas was all about. I'm looking forward to teaching my baby what true Christianity and Christmas is all about. My first experience with a Christmas tree was amazing. I felt like a kid. My husband woke up many nights to find me asleep beside our Christmas tree in the living room. When we had to take it down, I actually cried. I look forward to this year being with family and sharing the joy and happiness of the holidays. I'm happy that my life has changed. Many things are being restored in my life and I'm thankful to God for what he is doing, not only for me, but for other people who have left the message as well. Here's one from Canada. The rules were so arbitrary. In our church, you could have hung lights and holly from every square inch of your home, but Christmas trees were for the unwashed. Also, lights on the inside of your home were fine, but never outside. It seems that because William Branham said conflicting things about Christmas, the pastor would choose where the lines were. It was a funny study of human nature to see how, once the topic had been decided, that was the only way to do it. We had friends that flouted the no Christmas tree lights on the outside rule, and I remember feeling very judgmental when we pulled up to attend a Christmas party. This story is from the U.S. 
Our church never did Christmas plays, and we used to sneer at those who did. Eventually, we let our kids participate at other Christmas plays and events, even non-message. But we've never had a tree. I think I'm as mixed up as William Branham was. Another one from the U.S. Growing up as a little kid at Branham Tabernacle, Christmas was confusing. We had tapes. My takeaway was Santa was Satan. Those who acknowledged him were choosing to worship Santa slash Satan over Jesus. William Branham said it was okay to have a tree for the kiddies, so we had a pitiful tree. But most people who had trees were using it to replace Christ, just like Santa. Small gifts were fine. At church, the kids were given one in Sunday school. The church gave Brother Collins a new suit, and Billy Paul gave out little boxes of candy and oranges to the kids at the altar after church. Many people were a lot more liberal than we were, and many others would have nothing to do with Christmas. You had to be careful not to offend them by mentioning it and apologize for your tree if they came over. Christmas was a prickly topic with our non-message-believing part of the family. When I was 10, we moved churches. Suddenly, we had Christmas programs and everything that went along with them. But still, trees and Santa were bad. But we had message-themed Christmas plays, Mary and Joseph, but also recitals of the church-age messengers by the little kids. Our final one is also from the Jeffersonville area. We were really lucky to have heathen, denominational, foolish virgin grandparents and aunts and uncles. They doted on us. And so we had Christmas galore. We were the guests of honor and given a boatload of gifts. Somehow, it didn't make me feel that my parents were more godly, especially when the high point of the season was dad reading anti-Christmas quotes to mom in a grouchy voice so she would not beg to buy presents. You know, dad, it seems like religion, which is what the message is, saps all the joy from people and puts them in unnecessary bondage. What we have with Jesus Christ is not religion, it's a relationship and it sets us free. Anna, what was your experience at Christmas time growing up in the message? Well, I remember you always saying that if you were going to take something away from us kids, that you were going to give us something better. And you did that with Christmas as well. It was always a special time for us and maybe less religious than what mainstream Christians experienced because going to church on Christmas Eve was never something we did. We didn't have a Christmas tree, but I never missed it because the boys built a wooden manger, and every Christmas I got to dress up one of my dolls like baby Jesus and put him in there. <laughs> then we decorated the manger with lights and put our presents underneath. I think the manger eventually rotted, and then we got a Christmas tree, even though we were still in the message, but I don't remember getting any negative comments about it. The only thing at Christmas I remember thinking was ironic as a kid was that people weren't supposed to put Christmas lights on their own houses, but they sure enjoyed looking at the Christmas light displays around the neighborhood on everyone else's houses. Seems a bit hypocritical if you really think there's something sinful about outdoor Christmas lights. So what does Christmas really mean? In every religion other than Christianity, the founder is a prophet or sage. The founder says, here's the way for you to find eternal life. Do this, do this, do this, do that and you will connect to the infinite, or you will become one with God, or you will be saved. Do this, and then do this, and then do this, and then do that. This is the way to eternal life. This is what the message says too. Believe that William Brown was a prophet, and do what he says, and you'll make it in the rapture. You will be part of the bride. <laughs>
But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity does not say Jesus is a great prophet pointing the way to God and how we can save ourselves. Jesus Christ, according to Christmas, is God come to save us, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. To know him is eternal life. It's not like he comes and you follow him, do the things you, that you should do, live a good life, and then God blesses you and God saves you. No, he is the life. In the message, your life will be characterized by fear and insecurity, devastation and self-loathing because you'll never feel like you're being quite good enough. Or for many in the message, it is marked by pride and disdain for other people because you feel like you actually have been good enough. You are living the message. So in the message, you're going to be insecure and anxious or you're going to be proud or you're going to go through both phases over and over again. But according to the Christmas story, you can be saved by grace alone. You can know that just by believing in him, you're received and you're accepted. It's not enough just to believe in God or even just to obey him. Christmas means God has gone to infinite lengths to come near to you, to have a personal relationship with him so you can know him personally. God is not content to simply be a concept to be believed or even something to warm your heart. He's not even content to be a powerful force that you bow down to in some way because he became human. One of the reasons he came is so we can have fellowship with him, intimacy. We started the podcast with the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. There's a line that says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Charles Wesley, who wrote the hymn, didn't write, because God is veiled in flesh, we can't see the Godhead. He didn't write, veiled in flesh, the Godhead hidden. No. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Because God has become a human being, we can see his glory in a way that otherwise would just overwhelm us literally. Remember, Moses tried to look at the glory of God and God said, it'll kill you. It'll burn out the retina of your soul. It'll destroy you. Yet John 1 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. What does that mean? When you see the story of Jesus, read the gospel, you're seeing God in human form. It's like a filter. See his love, see his humility, see his brilliance, see his wisdom, see his compassion. See all the attributes of God that you know about from the Old Testament, which are kind of overwhelming, daunting, and maybe even intimidating. And God says, I can't show you directly, but in Jesus Christ, you can come near. Have you met Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Have you confessed your sins to Jesus? That is why the Father sent the Son. That is why Jesus Christ was born. Jesus was the exact opposite of Elijah. But message followers clamor for Elijah when Jesus was the opposite. Here's why. Jesus came not to bring judgment, but to bear judgment. He came not to bring fire down on other people, but to have the fire of God come down on him. 
He was plunged into the fire. The fire came down on him so we could be forgiven. He took the punishment we deserve so we could be forgiven. He took the fire of God's wrath and divine judgment on sin. So when you believe in him, the only fire you get is the fire of the Holy Spirit, a fire of love and of warmth and of power. Here's the secret. If you hear the call, please give yourself to Christ. Please give yourself away wholly, totally. You're going to say, I can't, I can't leave the message. I'd like to. Maybe what you're saying is right, Rod, but I can't. But when you give yourself away to Christ, he fills you. When he gave himself away for you, he was emptied. When you give yourself away to him, you get embraced and loved. When he gave himself away to you, he was rejected. But you get the Holy Spirit of love. Jesus Christ was abandoned by all and got nothing but cosmic, infinite agony. How can you come to grips with someone who gave himself utterly for you without you giving yourself utterly to him? You can't. And the more you see the costliness of his grace and the power of what he did and also how he really heals you and he fills you with his love, it enables you to give yourself away. It frees you. There's nothing more burdensome than having to live under the message. You have to actually achieve all your own self-esteem. But when you have his love, it takes that incredible burden off and you are free. To see himself giving his life away to you enables you to give yourself away to him and enables you to give yourself away to other people. Being a disciple of Jesus is a radical thing. Jesus is saying, my followers never call down fire on other people. They never say, you people outside the church, you are just atomic fodder. Look at the message. There's nothing but people calling down fire on everybody else. But Jesus says, my disciples are not going to be like that. They're going to be known for their love for one another, and they're going to be known for the love for mankind. Because as Jesus said, if you only love those who love you, you are no better than all the sinners in the world. Don't be afraid to follow him because he knows what you need. He is a wise, gentle counselor. You don't need to follow a man. You just need to follow Jesus. It's our prayer that God would grant each of you a blessed Christmas and that the grace and peace of Jesus Christ would rest on each of you. If you want to leave a comment or question, please do so on our website at offtheshelf.life. Thanks for joining me today, Anna. Thanks for having me, Dad. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. While he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Risen with healing in his wings, light and life to all he brings. Hail the Son of Yeah.